You're listening to the Versus Node podcast, presented by GamerNode.com. Welcome to episode 59 of the Versus Node podcast. I'm Eddie Anzato, your host and GamerNode editor-in-chief, and guess what? It's the Node Awards time, but this year we're going to be doing it a little bit differently. We're going to look at some games that kind of affected us in different ways, give out some unusual awards, and basically just talk about the games of 2014. I'm here with a bunch of guys from GamerNode, and... On the count of three, we're all going to say our names <laughs> at once. One, two, three. Anthony LaBella. Yes. Okay, we got Josh Robinson, Anthony LaBella, Jason Finelli, and Mike Murphy. How are you guys? Very good. All together? <laughs> Very <Awesome>. good. No, okay. <laughs> Meh. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so we ready to talk about some games? Let's do it. Yeah. Did you love 2014? I liked 2014. I liked 2014. I don't know if I loved it. I can go okay. with them. Okay, well, there goes there goes all my excitement. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I agree with you. Guys. Plenty of great games we're going to talk about. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not as not as many splashes as we expected, but still a good year with plenty of very good games. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through our uh, sort of interesting awards. They're a lot like the special honors awards from previous years that we've done for the Nodi Awards. And um, just each person's going to give their nomination or their winner, uh, talk about a game, and may just you know talk about the games that we think fit that category. Um, so let's start off on a super negative note. <laughs> get the bad out of the way first. Yeah, let's just get it out of the way. Um, so worst industry trend of 2014. There were a lot of sort of funky things that went on this year. Um, not the least of which was sort of unrelated to the games themselves, uh, more of a social issue. But um, there were some things within the actual gaming space itself that kind of uh, bothered people as well. So, Josh, what do you what do you think was the worst industry trend this year? Uh, as it relates to actual games, I would say shipping unfinished games. Uh, uh. Broken games. And yeah, so not even games that require day one patches. Games that didn't work with a day one patch. Like, just, yeah. You shouldn't have a game that's not working. Yeah. What What are the main ones that come to mind for you? Was it Assassin's or, Creed? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, God, Halo Master Chief Collection yeah. is another one. Yeah. Online. Completely yeah. busted. A lot of people can't play it. Uh, yeah. yeah, Drive Club issues right out of the gate. That PlayStation Plus version is still nowhere in sight. Uh, and during its launch, a lot of online yeah, issues. Yeah, what the hell happened to Drive Club? <laughs> that is just like the worst situation ever. Yeah, it was I, I, it I was feel rough. bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I kind of want to like cradle Drive Club like a little baby. <laughs> Be like, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's fine. Someone will love you. I'm sorry, Drive Club. Eventually. It's okay, yeah, Drive Club. Just try again. Try again next time. <laughs> yeah. you're, when you're Gran Turismo 7. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah, all... that kind of annoys me. The, well, the trend. So how, it's, it's a thing that's been happening many years now. It's just it kind of 
culminated. crescendoed in 2014, and there was more outcry than ever because it was on a like, more widespread well, level. It's like almost the norm instead of the the uh, exception. Yeah, that's what that's exactly what happened this year, pretty much. Like previous years, it was maybe one game, maybe two games, and it wasn't really that bad. And this year, it was like almost every single major release that came out had issues or problems with it. Yeah, and and it kind of just highlights some of the issues of an always online, always connected environment for gaming. Like in the past, we had like a cartridge, you stuck it in, it, it worked. Uh, we had a disc, you stuck it in, it worked. Now it's just like, eh, release it, bro, whatever. It's, like, it's almost like they don't even care to test it. They just say, oh, we have we have this crutch to fall back on. It's well, always so who do, who do we blame this on? Is this uh, is this on the developer? or Is this on the publisher? Okay, is it that they're forcing them to rush a game? Because there are certainly situations like that where a developer isn't ready to ship their game, but you have pressure from the publisher saying, no, we need it for this, we need it on this schedule for this holiday season, for this time frame. Or I'm sure you have cases with developers who say, you know what, fuck it, this is as good as we're going to make it, let's just ship it, we'll still sell copies, that'll be fine. I mean, it's, it's, Hmm. I'm sure there have to be both cases, and so it's hard to pinpoint one specific scapegoat. Yeah, I suppose it's all about relationships between companies and between the audience and and those companies as well. Yeah, it's like and trying to manage that the balance of things. You know, what's what's better, it's releasing or not. Two thousand. It, it's interesting with this situation too because um, this year kind of made everybody realize that as much outcry as there was, say, last year or two years ago over the Xbox One. Being needing that constant internet connection and Sony coming out and saying, no, don't worry, gaming's not going to be like that, you know. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to play your games on a disc and play them just fine. And it seems like despite Sony's best efforts, whether they were telling the truth or not, and despite the, the gamers' best efforts as a whole, as a community, uh, the developers and publishers were like, yeah, no, screw that. We're just going to, you know, release these games kind of unfinished and we're going to put out day one patches, and we'll just patch it as it goes, and you're going to buy it anyway, and if you don't have an internet connection, well, you're, you've got a broken game. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. You have to vote with your dollars. That's It's not going to change unless unless it makes a dent in sales and things like that. So, you know, with a company like Ubisoft releasing so many troubled games this year, it has to be the consumer who says, okay, I don't like where this is going. I need to show them that I don't like where this is going. I can't just keep buying every Assassin's Creed. I mean, if you don't see it in dollars, if the publishers and developers don't see it in dollars, it's hard to see that changing. Even just word of mouth, I don't know if that's enough to change the behavior. Yeah, I mean, why would they change if if people are still buying the games broken? uh, And, I mean, it just keeps happening. Then what's the incentive for them to change anything about it? Right. Exactly. And gamers aren't really known for their self-restraint or, (laughs) you know, the ability to not play the new thing. Yeah. So it's kind of tough. You're always just saying, oh, well, I guess whatever, I'll play it. But no, I'll complain about it. Um, what else? Any other worst trends, Jason? No, for me, it's all, it's, it's all the technical bullshit. I mean, yeah. have you seen those Assassin's Creed Unity screenshots? Oh, man. <laughs> you know what? I, yeah. Part of me is happy because those are hilarious, but it's very sad also. <laughs> Lips, yeah. eyes, and hair. <laughs> 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 that is my kind of hero. <laughs> oh god! I want a guy who I'll remember in my dreams, and he is one of them. Just not yeah. good dreams. Yeah, yeah. Nightmares, <laughs> nightmares is more like it. in Jesus. my nightmares. Yeah, that. I mean, I mean, 
there's another one we can talk about that I, I, I really don't want to. I guess I shouldn't talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I mean, but... we all know that it's going to be Gamergate. It sucks. Like, people, don't be assholes. I, I think that's... Yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> can people I... just be good to each other? It's, it's, can it's... we embrace each other and love video games together, please? Okay, so Mike, what's, it's, it's, what's your last worst trend? It deals with the sports gaming realm, and okay. that is the simply, like, what seems to be just the outright takeover of Ultimate Team game modes Ugh. in the sports gaming world. Now, mm. like, I enjoy, when I play FIFA or Madden or NHL, I I really do enjoy, like, the Ultimate Team getting putting together my team and playing and maybe and sometimes I'll spend money and buy packs, but you know, it's not really exactly my favorite motor. It's not all I want to do in a sports game. I like creating my own uh, player and playing through a season. I like playing, picking up my favorite teams and playing as them. Um, I like uh, it was cut this year from NHL, but I loved playing in EASHL, the EA Sports Hockey League, with my friends and all that stuff. And it seems like uh, just the publishers like EA Sports and uh, 2K are just seeing the dollar signs from Ultimate Team modes and are just going, that's making us the most money, screw all these other modes, let's pretty much start stripping everything down and just going for the Ultimate Team. We'll just beef up Ultimate Team and push Ultimate Team and get people to throw more and more money at it so we can generate more and more revenue and be even richer. Um, it's so annoying. Yeah, and it's specifically coming... To uh, it's not even part of the sport, yeah, no. <laughs> like that never happened, <laughs> and it's it's coming at the expense of other game modes. Thumbs down. That sucks. Yeah. All right, let's let's move on to something a little bit more positive. What do you think? How about the uh, the Pure Joy Award? This is a game that just when you play it, it puts a smile on your face. It's just a simple pleasure. You just love it. It just makes you happy. Just something that makes you happy to play. And Anthony, what what do you got for us? Uh, we were talking a little bit about this, and it's one I hadn't thought of until uh, others mentioned it as one of the best games of the year. South Park, The Stick of Truth. Um, <laughs> as a fan of the show, I don't watch it anymore. I, I feel like they kind of got off the rails. But I, I grew up watching South Park and loved the show. And I, those who have played South Park video games know that they don't have a good track record. There are some absolutely <laughs> shitty South Park games. But I don't know if it's if that Trey Parker and Matt Stone were refreshed with this new game and with all the delays, I didn't see it being good. But South Park, the stick of truth is fantastic. It's so funny. Even if you're not a fan of the show, it's just funny on a pure comedic level. And then there are so many little references thrown in for fans of the show. You know, it was really a labor of love on their part. And I did not expect it to be that good, but the entire time I was playing it, I had a smile on my face and was laughing the whole time. It was a wonderful experience the whole way through. Awesome. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that. It makes me laugh all the time, and I don't <laughs> laugh when I'm playing video games yeah. very much. Yeah, I mean, it was like... It re I think it was pretty much like a season of the show all its own, because... Yeah. And, and you, if you kind of read about how much work uh, that went into making this, like, I don't think we're ever going to see another one, just because it sounds like it was such a... Uh, <laughs> it was just such a... I don't know, just an, an undertaking that they don't really sound like they're up for doing again. Um, mm. You know, well, I mean, it didn't help to change, like, publishers and yeah. death studios and that kind of thing, but, yeah, no, it, it was it was phenomenal, and I think really something special, because it, it really didn't lose anything from the show. Yeah. 
Was that yours also? Uh, yeah, yeah, it it was. Yeah, nice. How about you, Jason? What was your choice? Pure joy. Yeah. Hmm. I thought about this long and hard. <laughs> no, I didn't. I feel like brothers. there's. Some... <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? Last night. Last night, not. Twelve hours ago, actually, we were in the middle of it. Twelve hours ago, a couple of friends came over, and we did a six-man round robin, where we each played each other once. We seated ourselves based on our records, and we had a little mini tournament just for the hell of it. And it was three of the best gaming hours ever. Oh my goodness! We just played, yeah. and we laughed, and we joked, and we made fun of each other, and it was awesome. And that game does it better than anyone. Except maybe You're Mario way Kart. Way more fun. I smash it. Oh, it's so good. It. I. I love it. I mean, I knew I would love it, but I love it even more than I thought I would. I guess. So, so I, are, are you playing with? Uh, did you somehow manage to get the elusive, uh, <laughs> the mythical GameCube controller adapters? I did. Oh, we have one here. Oh my god. <laughs> I've got one. And yeah, I have. I have no shortage of GameCube controllers, but I. Cannot find the adapter anywhere. I've been looking. We're making a third-party one. It should work just as well. Yeah, but I'm kind of weird about that. Uh, can, can I ask? Uh, oh, um, I was just going to ask real quick, uh, kind of as a side. How is the amiibo stuff in that game, or in general? What do you guys think of amiibos? Because I know almost nothing about them. The okay, almost so, nothing. <laughs> as I look to my right and I look at the first two waves staring me back at the face from the top of my Xbox 360. Um, I have a weight teen because I, I have an addiction. It's bad. Um, <laughs> is that your I can't quit you? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Amiibo is your I can't quit you. Yeah, it really is because <laughs> Wave 3 is already pre-ordered and Wave 4 will be as soon as I can. Um, the way it works in Smash Brothers is you put the figure on and you can fight it. You, you name it. You pick a costume for it. For example, I used the red shirt for Wii Fit Trainer and I named her Yoga Fire. Um, so you can be stupid. Or anything like that. So then you play against them. They start at level one. The more they they level up to fifty based on how many times you you fight them or you let them fight the P, the uh, CPU or whatever. And then eventually they get to a point where they're fucking impossible to beat. <laughs> oh, okay. So powerful. And, and you go from teaching them to them schooling you, <laughs> and you have to learn you have to learn new tactics to beat them. Huh. You know what, okay. you know what I'm saying? So yeah. and. And what's really cool about them is, even after level 50, if you fight against an amiibo as the same character, like if I take my Little Mac amiibo and fight him, and I'm Little Mac also, it'll pick up my tendencies. Oh. And start using them against me. Hmm. And then I have to adjust my game, and then, yeah. So it's a neat way of having a training tool in the game. Yes. How you can improve, how you as a player can improve by using your amiibos and learning their tendencies and using that. When you play right. other and it also, if you if you get a lot of them like I did, if you want to teach them all, it forces you to learn everyone. Right. That's pretty. That's like, a pretty neat way to 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 use those figures. It is interesting. It is very interesting, and I I thought it's a really neat way. And and the coolest thing is is like I could if so if I'm if I'm writing an article or something and nothing's on TV and I'm bored, I can put on Smash Brothers, go to Smash. Pick any random four amiibos I want, set it to like a half hour, and just let them kick the shit out of each other. Yeah. <laughs> and I can look over and see like, oh. And it, ne- it never ends the way I think it's going to. 
It's it's like remember you remember, can have your own personal salty bet. Just all right, yeah, let's get these I, amiibos against each other and start betting who, who I wins. Thought about <laughs> it. I was going to name it the uh, Associated National Amiibo League, but then I realized that acronym, <laughs> that acronym's not the best idea. So I'll, <laughs> I love I'll, it. Um, love it. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, it's like the old watch feature in the old Super Nintendo fighting games. Mm. Which I never It used. can be. It can be that. Or you can use them as a teaching tool, or you can... Right. You can, <laughs> I did this to one of my friends, and he never realized. I put one of them on there <laughs> and pretended I was controlling it. He had no idea why. I was Jason, kicking you're ass. a beast. How do I beat he's like, you? He's like, what the fuck? I'm, <laughs> and when we're done, I looked at him, and I'm like, dude, that wasn't me. He's like, what do you mean? You're sitting right here. And I showed it to him. He's like, he just shook his head, and he's like, you motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Shit. Um, nice. But, okay, so Super Smash Brothers is your pure joy. And it sounds like you're having a lot of fun with I it am. in all these different ways. <laughs> what about you, Mike? Um, I probably have to go with uh, Josh and Anthony and say uh, South Park Stick of Truth. As a, yeah, wow. as a giant South Park fan and as a giant gaming fan, I felt like there was it was just the perfect marriage. Um, I, I had always thought the the South Park game on the sixty four was good and funny, but this one just <laughs> blew that one completely out of the water. Like, like Josh and Anthony have said, like felt like another season or just really long episode of the show. It made a ton of great references uh, and callbacks to the show that were hilarious. And I also loved um, not just how smart Trey Park and Matt Stone were uh, with helping design this game as far as um, uh, making callbacks to their show, but also making jokes and callbacks about uh, about gaming in general. Yeah. Like, you know, the whole Nazi zombies yeah. Thing, <laughs> right? Um, plus the fact, you know, one of my favorite parts of the entire game, where I, I think I think I might have almost fallen off my chair in laughter, was when you go to Canada. And oh, the Canada section oh, oh, is yeah. is nothing but eight bit like. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I forgot about world. that until you mentioned it. That's great. And yeah. I, I I lost it. I died so laughing, hysterical, and uh, it, it was just it was such a smart hilarious game where like pretty much it seems like Trey Parker and Matt Stone just took the gloves off and were like we're going to do this and we're going to knock it out of the park no matter like how many setbacks and difficulties we go through Yeah. and I I will never get tired of that game and it's one of the reasons why I still have my PlayStation 3 plugged in because I will there may be a day where I would love to go back and play that all over again mm-hmm. nice just like watching a good movie yep. yeah yeah. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to agree with you guys 100%, but also give a little nod to Shovel Knight. <clears throat> not because not because this lasted the whole time cuz you know it gets frustrating at certain points, but because when I first turned it on and that music hit, mm. I literally stood in front of my TV with the controller in my hand and started dancing. <laughs> I doubt like, it. You were gyrating. <laughs> <laughs> Well, whatever it was. We need music was, for this. I was so happy. Yeah. And the character itself, Shovel Knight, and the world around him, and the way that story plays out, even though it's very simple, you can't help but smile. It's it's so endearing and oddly poignant by the end of it, and I, I was surprised by how much I was taken by the narrative in that game and just the world they created within it. It felt like, it felt like yeah. some familiar character from your childhood 
come back with a new game, even though it's the first Shovel Knight game, is, is yeah, great in that sense. It, it and I'm really sure we're going to talk a lot more about this yeah, in yeah. some of the future awards coming up, right? <laughs> um, we are. So, yeah. So, Josh, you, you said you kind of have to leave, right? Yeah. So, I was hoping yeah. to get to one more category, because you had sort of an interesting answer. I don't know if you could stay for just a moment more to talk about that one. Yeah, which, the, which uh, one were we thinking about? Well, we have an award. We don't really have a great name for it, but the gaming spectacle of 2014. The game with the sights and sounds that just impressed you, wowed you more than anything else. Yeah, so I, I think Jason will probably be on board with me with this. Uh, I'm just going to assume. It was it was Smash Bros. for 3DS, because I did not... I, I wasn't sure that system was going to be able to handle everything that uh, that series usually requires. Um, there is zero... I have experienced zero lag, uh, slowdown, any frame rate issue. Nothing has, has you know, uh, made that experience... Uh, any uh, any worse throughout my gameplay. I played the crap out of it before the Wii U version came out, and I was just very impressed because I mean the 3DS is not like a powerhouse, um, but that game uh, it moves so quick and so fast. There's so much going on, and you wouldn't expect that system to be able to handle it as well as it does. I yeah. do agree with you, 100. percent all right. But I don't know that I can say definitively that the 3DS was able to handle it, and I think your circle pad will agree with me, <laughs> um, because mine is now stuck, and it's hard to move, and yeah. So I'm hoping that either it fixes itself, or I figure out a way to fix it, because now it's hard to play anything. And every once in a while, like I'm playing Pokemon... Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, and my trainer will just start moving to the right for no reason. Just oh no! Walking to the right. <laughs> it's he hits the Nintendo 64 all over. Yeah, until yeah. he hits the wall, and he's just stuck there, and I'm like, "You son of a bitch!" But no, I I was floored how well Smash worked on 3DS to the point where I want them to put the stages from the 3DS in the Wii U version because I feel yeah. like I feel like a lot of the 3DS stages are superior. Rainbow um, Road and Magic Cant specifically. Yeah, I feel like a lot of those, um, a lot of those stages were, uh, and I think they probably have even talked about this. Like they were meant to be a little more um, uh, personal, like a little more, you know, up. You didn't have a whole lot of space uh, like you do with the Wii U version. It was much more of a personal experience between players. So those those are more compact stages, I think. Well, I agree. I agree. That doesn't mean I don't want to see a little puppy oh, dog no. run around in the background <laughs> while I'm fighting. <laughs> um, but no, I agree with you 100%. It played you know like what? a dream. It it was awesome. I agree, too. Oddly enough, I played the 3DS game, even though I don't like Smash Brothers. I was curious. <sighs> um, I still don't like Smash Brothers, but it runs fantastic on the 3DS. It it looks great. Better than I had expected. And it it doesn't lose a whole lot in its portable version from what I can tell. I mean, obviously the control issues, like Jason was saying, if you play enough, I'm sure I've heard people say they have issues with the circle pad, but it it looks great on that platform, and it's better than I would have expected for, from, you know, Wii U, taking a Wii U game and putting it on the 3DS, it still looks really good. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I enjoy it very much. Alright, so let's uh, let's let Josh get out of here. 
Thanks bye, Josh. Josh. <laughs> bye, Josh. <laughs> and uh, from this point on, I'll just be uh, letting everyone know what Josh's picks were because he just sent me an email so we could at least include those winners. I was hoping you were going to say I was just telling you like telepathically. Like, yeah. <laughs> I will be he just channeling. Looked, he just looked at his Josh. screen intently and, and <laughs> tell what his picks were. Yeah, I'm keeping a picture of his face. <laughs> my, my smiling face. Yeah. All right, man. All right, guys. Well, we'll, we'll catch you next All time. Right. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Later, dude. Bye, Josh. Adios. All right, so who else? Uh, Anthony, did you have a pick for for the best gaming spectacle of 2014? You know what, this is a really tough one because uh, when I think of this, I tend to lean more on the side of smaller projects that are uh, strong in an art style and soundtrack kind of way, more so than technical prowess. Okay. But, you know, despite that, I did not go that way because I thought of a game I played early in the year, which I wasn't a huge fan of. I liked it, wasn't a huge fan of it, but I thought it looked incredible, and that's Infamous Second Son on PlayStation Mm -hmm. 4. I feel like it's... It was the first game I put in my PlayStation 4 that I thought, whoa, this looks incredible. This looks like they're using the new hardware and pushing it in a way I haven't seen before. And the character animation specifically, I can't think of a game that does it better. It, it's lifelike. It's, it's not lifelike, but it just it's it's unprecedented in its in its. Uh, Execution. I, I haven't seen a game pull that off quite that well. And some of the powers are, it's, it's odd to say this, but beautiful in a way. Uh, there's, I forget the category, but there's a kind of power you can get, which is this purple neon light power that you can just basically light up the city as you're traveling around Seattle, and it just looks unbelievable. I, definitely the best-looking game of 2014 for me, and... I think that alone makes it the biggest spectacle of the year for me, even if I didn't love the game as much as I was hoping to. It just it looks unbelievable. I, I can't say enough about how that game looks. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. That game is incredible. I don't know how they did it. I don't know what they did to get to, to do that. I, it, it just it blows my mind. It still blows my mind. I, I'll never understand how they did it. It was. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I did not play that game. <laughs> what, what's your pick, Mike? Um, from a technical standpoint, um, uh, I could argue and say that. Well, uh, technical. Yeah, it doesn't have to be technical. I was. I was just saying. I. I would normally pick something other than Infamous. Like Transistor was kind of my runner-up. That's not the technical game. You know, and the technical power. Just whatever wowed you. Yeah, whatever. Sights and sounds took you. Yeah, as far as the sights and sounds, um, I could say possibly Smash Brothers or Mario Kart, um, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. even Destiny. I would say possibly oh, sure. uh, because the uh, sweet world, the world, yeah. the, the overworlds were nice. The way the guns fire, really, really cool, and the just looking up into the sky and you can t- you can actually see like things like celestial bodies moving about in the sky as you're looking up there. But um, if I had to pick one uh, above all those others, I would probably have to go with Far Cry 4. Oh, okay. Yeah, I considered that, too. Yeah, because just the game, that game world is just something beautiful. Um, okay, so I had, a, I had a few 
potential options for this one. I guess I didn't play a lot of games that really wowed me in terms of visuals and, and audio. Um, I know Dark Souls 2 isn't really considered to have great graphics, but being in the world was pretty impressive. You know, seeing far off into the landscape, seeing other parts of the world from where you are. Yeah. And then, of course, like, all the big enemies and everything. Like, it just going into that world is always sort of like a spectacle. It's like, it just makes you feel small. That first but, town um, is really memorable, Majula. Absolutely. When you first get when you there. Walk, when you walk out of the cave and you see out into the water and there's, like, the sunset. Or, yeah, it's really, just, it's really beautiful. Um, a lot of the environments are just beautifully designed in that way. Um, but I might have to say Mario Kart 8. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, it, it, I I kind of feel like, oh, but it's just Mario Kart. But, but it looks but, so good. But it's so good. And when you're... The, the courses are all big. The backgrounds are well incorporated into your view while you're driving. All the, the character models are wonderful. And it just, you sit down and you play and you're like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that, that sort of embodies the, the uh, spirit of the award for me. Yeah, when I, pl- when I played games on the Wii, I'd be fine without the HD visuals because graphics don't mean everything to me. And I would still enjoy some games on the Wii. But having a Wii U now and seeing these games in high definition, seeing Mario Kart 8 in high definition running so smoothly is just... Now, now I see why, okay, yes, I, graphics aren't everything to me, visuals aren't everything, but man, this looks so good, and just seeing that jump from the previous generation to the Wii U hardware in those HD visuals, is, it, looks, it looks fantastic in Mario Kart 8. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that one. Nice. Um, okay, so let's take it to, let's take it in a different direction. Uh, so we, visuals, sound, audio, these are like the classics. How about the the story, since we're feeding off of the game world, like I just said, but the, the Tale of Tales award, which story, characters, game world, and just the whole fiction surrounding it kind of enthralled you the most throughout the year? Uh, Mike, well, what what was your choice for this one? Um, hmm... Tough to, to decide. Um, uh, probably, I would lean towards Dragon Age a little bit, but um, I'll let if anybody else wants to talk about that, I'll let them talk yeah, about that it. Yeah, that's gonna with, be my pick. So. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with <laughs> a. I'll I'll go with another probably uh, more une- <clears throat> unexpected pick. Pick and pick. Uh, <laughs> take the uh, the Wolf Among Us. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was one of my potentials as well. Sure. So cool. Glad yeah. you said that. Because it got me into the Fables universe, um, which I've I've read the first trade paperback of now, thanks to that game, and I'm really... If I had the money and the time, I would definitely sink myself more into that comic book universe because it's just so... It's such an interesting idea and concept of just being like, hey, what if we took all these fairy tale creatures and just found a way to plop them in the middle of New York City and just see what they would do and like who they yeah. would be? And this also takes um, these fairy tale characters from more of like the actual traditional like grim versions, where it's more mm-hmm. darker and realistic and gritty, and shows that like you know under stress, like even these fables, these these classic characters will have moments of weakness. Uh, they will make mistakes, 
Um, they will try to live their lives just like anybody else if they were living in the same kind of situations as we did in uh, you know day to day circumstances. Um, and then you take that and you turn it into like a crime uh, murder mystery thriller. Uh, yeah, exactly. Starring Big B, the Big Bad Wolf, and you know you, you start off the game just. You're the big bad wolf, and you're just basically throwing haymakers at the woodsman and falling out of like <laughs> a, an apartment building in the Bronx. Um, that's just incredible to me. Just um, seeing seeing that like like actually happening is just was amazing, and it's great to relive and revisit all these classic characters that you know as kids and adults we really loved their stories. That's why they're so popular. That's why you know. Disney makes so much money because of because they take those fairy tales and they turn them into you know popular films and and musicals and it's so cool and interesting to have seen that turned on its side and put into this kind of uh, setting and just to be able to experience and and uh, have this um, this adventure I guess you could say with all these new characters it's kind of like um, hanging out with old friends again after all these years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's not often that, that games sort of deliver that mystery, that thriller. So it, it was kind of um, a nice a nice change. It's not, not something you really get uh, a chance to experience much in this medium as much as, you know, like straight action or, or whatever. Um, and, yeah, that was definitely high on my list, too. That was high on my list of games, period, for the year, was The Wolf Among Us. I thought that it was the better Telltale season. Um, I thought it was way better than The Walking Dead season, too. I loved uh, I loved a lot about that game. But um, I'm kind of... I'm thinking I'm going to say The Talos Principle. Oh, I want to play that my... so bad. I do. And I wish it didn't come out at the end of the year like it did. They could get yeah, a little more attention. Yeah, it's from Crow Team, um, and you know they're not they're not huge. It's coming from them and, and Devolver Digital, so you know, it's indie style. They're the um, serious Sam guys, so yeah. Um, and and all they've done was serious Sam before right. this, as far as as far as I know. So like coming from serious Sam, you don't really expect what the Talos principle is. It's kind of like. Portal. It's like this year's mm-hmm. Portal. Sure. Um, and the premise is, uh, it's you're a robot instead of being a human, and there's a robot talking to you. You're a robot, and there's a human talking to you. <laughs> but uh, it's a puzzle game. It's a first-person puzzle game, and um, it mainly deals with the question of whether AI, whether artificial intelligence holds the same value as biological intelligence. And you you learn more and more, and it's very mysterious. The world is very sort of, um, I guess, intriguing. And you're kind of trying to unravel what's going on here. And, And you learn through these computer terminals, and you're inputting commands, and you have to solve puzzles and gain access to new areas. And then... You know, he tells you not to go somewhere, so of course maybe you go, and like it shows the curiosity of this AI because you're a, a real person playing an artificial intelligence, and it's like all right at the forefront there. So that story is just—it's just—it's really excellent, and I, I recommend that game uh, wholeheartedly in general. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna get it uh, at some point. You know, it's just a matter of when. Definitely want to yeah. play that. 
Isn't it coming nice. to PS4 soon? Yeah, it's early 2015 for PS4, they, they said. Uh, it's just PC at the moment. Yeah, so when it, when it comes to PS4, I may play it. Sure. Yeah, maybe we'll mention it again next year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really good. Um, what about yours, Jason? Uh, I have a couple, actually. We know you're all about the story. If we're going to talk about <laughs> story... Um, Please say, I, I hope he says it starts with a D. Yeah, well, I, I I plan on it, but not um, Destiny. I don't think it's <laughs> yes, Destiny. Please mention the intricate no, 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 lore no. and Peter Dinklage of Destiny. I, I'm going to get into that, Anthony, but I have another one first <laughs> that I think you all should play from my man Sweary sixty five, and that's D four Dark oh, Dreams. Oh, no. that game. Okay, is sick. Um, it's it's episodic. It kind of plays like a Telltale, but it's so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much there's so much random shit going on and all these weird ass characters yeah. and then the ep- the the download that's free right now on Xbox 1 is the epilogue the epilogue prologue and the first two episodes um and the second episode ends on such a cliffhanger it makes me mad but i i really i enjoy it a lot i think the story's really cool i think the investigative properties are pretty cool I just really think it's awesome. I really, really enjoy it. But I guess my favorite story is Dan Genrapa. Yes. Havoc. Yes. That game, that, Everything starts with a D. That game. <laughs> well, that could be said about life, couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You just um, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But when I when I first saw it, when it was first described to me, I figured it would be a little bit of Phoenix Wright and a little bit of I got a Battle Royale vibe from it actually. Mm. And I liked Battle Royale and Phoenix Wright is one of my favorite series, so I figured, "Hey, why the hell not?" And it exceeded every expectation I could have possibly had for it. When it's 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 normally a game that Japanese in its aesthetic doesn't appeal to me. I can take some otaku-style stuff, but there's a point where I get turned off by it. And Dan Ganrapa got right to that line and said, all right, that's <laughs> enough. You yeah, can enjoy this. <laughs> uh, yeah. you can, we'll let you enjoy this. The trial system is excellent. The whole bullet thing, the bu- truth bullets, that's really, really cool. The free time idea where you can spend time with uh, yeah, other daily students. Life. And if you, do it enough, if you do it enough, if you spend time with them enough, you gain a skill that will help you in the trial section. And you, you, like, you earn their trust by giving them gifts and stuff like that. So there's a teeny little bit of dating simulator in there, even though it's not a dating simulator. And then the story is super duper dark and depressing. Not depressing, but, like, it takes a turn. I mean, it's bad enough they're locked in a school and forced to kill each other, but then it takes a turn that's even worse. Yeah. And you're just, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? But it also and has this twisted humor with Monokuma on top of that. Like, that bear. He's a really funny character, but also really bear, fucked up. Yeah, I agree. That bear is really cool. I, I, that, what, a, what a great creation and if that ever comes to a nintendo console i want that bear in smash brothers the next <laughs> that'd be great uh, have um, you played two have you played the sequel i have played 
I have played the sequel. I okay. found the sequel to be just as good until the final trial. I felt like the final trial was a way to it was just a, a ham-fisted attempt to shoehorn a connection to the first game. And while the story makes sense, I would have preferred a different final boss, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. I could, I could you know see that. I, I enjoyed the ending, but I, I could see that complaint. Oh, I'm, I, I didn't hate the ending. The ending is fine. Just the last ending, trial, you mean? Oh, you mean separately, yes. just the last trial itself. Yes, that okay. last oh, trial. Oh, yeah, sure, and, and sure. Who you, who you go against is... Yeah, who you're of, battling against in that trial, right. It's kind of stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was yeah. just like, oh, really? You couldn't think? You couldn't have thought of something else? Yeah, but the ending but, is an absolute mindfuck in the best way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I, I find that I enjoyed the class from the second game as a whole more than the yeah, first. Yeah, I agree with that. I thought the cast was a little bit better in two. The cast was, I, I yeah, the cast was a little more uh, interesting, I guess. And like, there was a trial where the person who ended up being the killer was threw me completely through a loop. <laughs> I never in a million years thought. It was the one uh, where they found the body hanging in the on the stage in the club. Oh, okay, with the camera case, stuff. Yeah. yeah, case three, I think it is. Okay, yeah, I remember. The, the killer in that, I, I, I almost felt sad. I was like, really? That's you? the thing. A lot of these people who are dying and, or killing people, you grow attached to, and then it's like this betrayal of trust when you see someone you liked killing someone else, or they're even the victim, and then you just miss them. Like, oh, I really like that character. I, I spent my daily lifetime with them, and earned the skills from them, and grew to like them. And now I realize they're dead, or killing yeah. people. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. But, it sounds uh, but, good. Like, I, I would love to play it. You should. If you get a Vita, get around to you it. have a Vita, you should. The, and a very underrated thing about Dan Genrampa, too, is that this music club that we talked about where the third murder happens, mm-hmm. the name of it is Titty Typhoon, and I find that to be very amusing. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the Vita is a Dan Genrampa machine. Yeah, there you go. Right? Dan Genrampa and Final Fantasy ports, yes. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Persona 4 Golden. Right. So, wait, did we skip... Anthony, did did we get your story? No, um... What is it? Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad Jason mentioned being in Rampa because I'm not gonna pick it up. Okay. But yeah, up there for me. Uh, Michael alluded to it earlier. It's another D, and it's Dragon Age Inquisition uh, from oh, nice. Bioware. And the reason I love a lot of Bioware games is I get wrapped up in their world and their characters. And it seems like people were missing that from Dragon Age Two. A lot of people were disappointed with that game, and the ending of Mass Effect Three left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. But I feel like Bioware is back on top of its game with Dragon Age Inquisition because the size and scope of the world is really something, even though it's separated into levels, just the size and scope is kind of like an Elder Scrolls in how big it becomes the more you put into it. And I loved learning about that world. And then the the cast of characters is what really drove the experience for me, which I think Bioware does best when it's at the top of its game. And my favorite video game character of the year was Iron Bull, who is a Kunari, uh, voiced by Freddie Prinze Jr., who does a fantastic job voicing him. And what? he's just really... Mm. What? Really? Yeah. They just, you know, pitched his voice down. But that is Freddie Prinze Jr. doing a fantastic job as Iron Bull. 
Yeah, nice. I know. I was surprised when I read that too. I didn't realize when I first played it. Um, but he's my favorite character. He 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 has so much depth to him. He looks really gruff and mean on the exterior, but he's very kind-hearted and accepting of all kinds of people. And you learn more about how accepting he is when you learn about his his group he travels with, how diverse they are. And it's just it's it's this nice juxtaposition between his appearance and his personality. And it shows a depth in the writing that I think Bioware, uh, when when it's doing well, does better than maybe any developer out there. And I think those characters are what make it the best tale of the year for me, because I really grew attached to those people. Cassandra, I love a whole lot. There's Sarah, who is probably the most divisive character in the game. I don't particularly like her, but there are plenty of people who love her and say they're her favorite. Um, there's Dorian, who has a really intriguing and, and compelling and emotional backstory when you uh, spend more time with him. And, and yeah, those characters are what make the game for me, even though I love a lot about that game, and what make the story so compelling for me. Nice. Yeah, sounds great. And and you other guys also agree with that, right? Yeah. I mean, with the story? I mean, I, I've heard nothing but... Great thing. Oh, you haven't you haven't played it yet, Jason. I have not. It is staring oh, me. I can't believe that almost. Bioware. <laughs> I bought it the day it launched. And yep. Wow, I still have it? I gotta crack it. No box down. No. I I it's, it's open. a long one. I, open every I think game I put almost seventy hours into it by the time. Yeah, it's a commitment. That's you gotta why. Like, be ready. Yeah, it is a commitment. So much shit to review. I had yeah. so much shit to review and so much to do this fall, and it's not getting any better. I have Citizens of Earth I have to play, and that embargoes on Tuesday. Yay! Mm. You're going to so. love it. Is that why you played uh, the other one that's kind of like it? No, yeah, I we'll played the other one that, that later. I played, oh, the other okay. one that, yeah. I played the other one that's kind of like it because you had I, I, I can't call myself a <laughs> Nintendo fan without playing that, and it was way too yeah. long, but we'll get to that. I wonder if some savvy listeners have figured this out, this <laughs> mystery. Um, okay, before we move on, let me just... Let me just... <laughs> it was bound to happen. Fuck you! <laughs> there, I was waiting for the pun. I knew there was going to be was, one coming. That was two two references in one. I love it. Ugh, you son of a bitch! <laughs> so, uh, Josh's pick for this one was The Walking Dead Season 2. Um, so, I guess some people do love that story. I'm there telling people you, man, like, I mean, it has yeah, everything to do with what ending you got. Because the first and episode three was really good. Yeah. The first ending I got, I was dissatisfied with my choice, so I went back and saw what would have happened if I had made the choice I wanted to make in the first place, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the second ending I got blew me away. I'm just going to give my quick gripes about it, I think. I'm not sure if I could sum it all up easily, but I think the the parties, the characters, the personalities you're with just were never good. Like it, it never felt like I wanted to be playing this game. And and also they felt sort of unbelievable by the end. Um particularly that last episode just a lot I don't know. A lot of it just felt like the the characters were unbelievable. Like it, none of it should have happened that way. And it's just that's annoying when that happens. Um and and there's there's no real growth I felt like. Uh Maybe I wanted more out of it. I wanted it to escalate tenfold beyond what season one did, and it kind of just stayed. And there's Josh's Tale of Tales 2014. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. I know I uh, didn't channel your thoughts there. 
<clears throat> but um okay, let's move on to the next one. Uh okay. How about the game that reminds you of the good old days? Mm. Our sweet gaming nostalgia games. There's only uh, one choice here, right? Or did we come up with other answers? I no. mean I think no, I think there's didn't. really just the one answer yeah. is the winner. I do have one that I'm gonna I'm gonna Okay, make. a special mention, you sure. Maybe I should mention it first. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so Wasteland two Mm, I only okay. started playing it, and I didn't even play Wasteland 1, but I did play the Fallout games sure. uh, back in the day. So Wasteland 2 gives you that old-school, uh, tactical RPG feeling. Um, there's a lot of reading. It's got a good story, like good writing. Um, it's It's fun to outfit your characters and use their abilities. It's just, and it really calls back to when I used to play Fallout 2. Um, I, I'm just I'm really enjoying it. So that's Wasteland cool. yeah. Two, and it's given me that that old nostalgia of that type of game, because you know we have those games now, <clears throat> um, like we had uh, XCOM, yeah, Enemy Known, and that was a wonderful game. I think we we mentioned it toward our game of the year discussion. Yeah, definitely um, got brought up. But but it definitely felt more modern, whereas Wasteland Two really calls back. To to the older school of of those types of games, which mm. is stats everywhere. I think Divinity oh, Original Sin is another good uh, honorable mention. A game I really enjoyed that uh, definitely calls back to the older RPGs like a Baldur's Gate, where it's uh, party based and very methodical, very difficult, and does not hold your hand and lets you do whatever you want. A lot of freedom there, and th- some people absolutely love that game. I really enjoyed it. Uh, almost, like, if I were to come up with a top ten, it'd be close in there. But that's another one that uh, definitely brought some nostalgia in that sense that it calls back to the older RPGs, like a Wasteland 2. Nice. I Can I play the music now? Do it. <laughs> yeah! I love this fucking game. <laughs> yeah, let's let Jason take this one away. This uh, shovel knife. game! <laughs> I'm dancing already. (laughs) I went right back to five or six years old, Mega Man 2, (laughs) blasting through stages the instant I put this game on. It was and is and will be one of the best 8-bit games I've ever played, and it came out in 2014. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so you know what, I mean? what I love about it is like it takes all these elements of so many different games. Like you said, Mega Man. Then it's got like the the cutscenes kind of like uh, well, I mean, it doesn't have a lot, but in the beginning, it has the. It made me remember the Ninja Gaiden games, the way it was laid out. Yeah. And then you have you have like the Super Mario Overworld uh, yeah. World Three, uh, not World Three, Super Mario Brothers Three Overworld, and then you have like the 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 jewels that you lose and have to go pick up, like, almost like Sonic. Um, yeah. And it's got the bouncing, like, DuckTales. Uh, duck yeah, man. Just, everything is there. <laughs> got it all. All in one. And it does it's it so well. It's basically the entire NES experience put into one game. <laughs> I've never and heard it, it described it, like that, but you're absolutely right. That's great. It does it so well. That's what's and most the music surprising is the to me. Best eight-bit, like, chiptune-style music. Mm-hmm. I think Yacht I've Club heard. Games is a bunch of time travelers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, street... Zelda also. The, huh? the all the items. It also right. calls back to Zelda games. Right. Yeah. So good. It's so good. So good. It is. Oh man. And well, I have to ask. What what uh what 
platform did you guys play it on? Mm, okay. I played on Wii U. 3DS. See, okay, that's great. Interesting. And one of the great things about this game, even though I've only played the Wii version, is that every platform has something for it. The Wii U, I get to access my inventory without going to pause menu. I could just do it on the fly. And then 3DS, yeah, I think you have the Street Pass stuff, right? With uh, You can battle other people or something to that effect. And then uh, PC, you have, you know, achievements and, and, and that stuff for, for Steam, if you're playing on Steam. So they, they put time and care in every version to make it somewhat unique, and I really like that from on the part of Yacht Club Games. God, it's so good. It was yeah. so good, dude. So good. I, I'm just <laughs> thinking about it. I want to play it again. I have to re-download it and play it again, and I hope I hope my save is going. Because yeah, I, I might buy it, it on 3DS now. And just just so it. you have to go through it all over again. Yeah. Murph, did you play this? I have a feeling no, based on previous conversations about quote-unquote retro games from you. <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't know, where did that come from? <laughs> uh, call that no, out. What? I haven't I haven't played Shovel Knight. Um, not really because I don't think I would like it, just it looks really, really hard, and it intimidates me. I think it's no, not it's as hard as, as some people say, because, um, I mean, you have a lot of checkpoints in the game. You can actually destroy the checkpoints and make it harder on yourself. But you have a lot of checkpoints. There are healing items you can get from that uh, apple fish thing. What is it called? It's a really funny name. I forget. Um... Uh, he'll help you. You could get healing items from him to make the game easier if you want to do that. So it's really as hard as you make it in that way. Yeah, it's really, not too bad. I hadn't really read a lot about the difficulty, but if people are saying it's difficult, uh, that's really not the first, second, third, fourth. Yeah, eighth, it's or not. Yeah, it's not one of my first playing. bullet points when I think about Shovel Knight. So. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I almost like I almost picked it up. The Mega Man games. Yeah, you know, I almost picked it up when I first got my Wii U and got Mario Kart 8, but then I just. I ended up not, and I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I, I mean, I would like to play it. It looks like a hell of a lot of fun. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. It's on my sure. list of things to play. Good, yeah, definitely, definitely worth playing. It was also Josh's sweet gaming nostalgia of 2014, so I think it, it basically wins that category. <laughs> <laughs> but what's yours? Mine, it's going to be a really interesting answer, I guess. Um <clears throat> Mine was actually Dragon Age Inquisition. Hmm. And okay. Not so much for the for like because I liked the previous Dragon Age games, and it was nice to go back to that universe. But um, mostly because it actually harkens back to another RPG series that I really really like, and one of my or my favorite RPG series of all time, um, and that's Suikoden. Like, oh, okay, with the recruitment yeah. stuff? Or? Yeah, Dragon Age Inquisition feels like a modern Western RPG version of Suikoden. Um, yeah. Because the com- the combat's kind of, the combat's different, but, uh, and, you know, the, the gameplay is very different, but a lot of the themes are very, very similar. You start out as this, uh, this nobody who gets, like, thrown into this conflict, um, just by random chance, which is almost what happens to most of the heroes in the game, uh, you have this brand, this mark on your left hand, which in Dragon Age Inquisition is used to uh, take down all the rifts. Whereas in Suikoden, all main characters have a brand on their left hand or their right hand known as a true rune, which is an incredibly magical um, uh, like uh, like rune that has all gives people almost godlike abilities. The true runes are are revered and seen as, like, almost gods in the Suikoden world. 
So anybody who bears a true rune is pretty much seen as like a really, really powerful or or like or revered figure, um, which is very similar to what it's like in Dragon Age. You also start Dragon Age in like this uh, kind of like fortress, and then eventually like a little ways into the game, you discover this abandoned castle. In every single Suikoden game, that's what happens. You you start off when your ragtag band of uh, misfits start building this army. You start off and like moving from place to place or having this really small fort. And then eventually halfway through the game, you find an abandoned castle. And that's where you end up making your base of operations and everything. Uh, then there's the obvious recruitment um, angle where it is. Um, that That's the most obvious of, of those examples. And the other one is the fact that main characters and even protagonists from previous games will show up and can potentially join your army and join your cause, which is another uh, staple of the Suikoden games. So, like, every, when, I, when I play Dragon Age, I see all of these elements, like, coming together in a current modern Western RPG, and it reminds me of how fond I am of the Suikoden series and reminds me of how great that series is, and I get this giant wave of nostalgia, and it just feels to me like, I'm not really playing Dragon Age as much as I am just playing, like, a spiritual successor to the Suikoden series. Huh. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never... I've, I've, I've only played Suikoden, Suikoden um, 3, which I love. It's one of my favorite PS2 games. Uh, and I, I never thought of it like that, but now that you mention all of that, it, uh, it totally makes sense, and that's a, a cool way to think about the game. Yeah, and it and it's perfect, because if you guys... If anybody has Dragon Age Inquisition and doesn't know what I'm talking about, doesn't know Suikoden, guess what? Suikoden You'll 1 and 2 like, are available yeah. on PSN. Oh, for right, PS3 they announced that and for Vita. They're available mm-hmm. right now. I have both of them on my Vita. So That's true. Anybody who really likes Dragon Age Inquisition, I strongly suggest uh, you pick up Suikoden 1 and 2 on the PSN for either PS3 or Vita. So that's my gaming nostalgia of 2014. Okay, so let's let's stay on that train of thought and go with something that I'm still not sure of for myself, so I'm kind of going to cheat. <laughs> but uh, the best non-2014 game that you played this year. So, Anthony, what's, uh, what's your favorite game that you played this year that did not come out in 2014? Okay, I'm going I'm to just throw out a quick special mention, a game maybe none of you have ever heard of, uh, called Windjammers which was an arcade game uh, in the 90s that uh, came out eventually on Neo Geo uh, and Neo Geo CD. It is a game played a lot on GiantBomb.com. Uh, it's kind of like a, a, a weird version of, um, I don't know, like soccer, sort of like that. Like an old arcade game. I bought a Neo Geo CD and Japanese copy of the game just to play it. Uh, and it's maybe the most fun I've ever had with a game, local multiplayer. Uh, just... Check it out. Just look it up. Just a special mention. Windjammers is awesome. But my actual pick is um, Demon Souls. The Soul series oh, yeah. is the gift that keeps on giving. Apparently, let's talk about this forever. Yeah. So <laughs> I I beat uh, Dark Souls for the first time in 2013, and then in early 2014 I beat Demon Souls for the first time, January or February, and uh, I loved the game, which would not surprise people who know I love Dark Souls. Uh, and it was really fascinating to see the roots of the series, to see kind of the strides that were made in between games now that I've played through Demon Souls. And I also love that it's a different experience. It doesn't feel like, oh, it's a different kind of Dark Souls. It feels like a different experience because you have these levels instead of a connected world. You go to the Nexus 
and you pick which level you want to go to next. And there's still freedom in the sense that you can choose which level you want to go to, but it's it's it feels different because there are these self-contained levels. No bonfires. You have to beat the level without dying if you want to complete it. Um, it was different in that way. And then I felt like the atmosphere of Demon Souls was different in that it was a lot creepier and a lot darker, especially World 3, which is the Tower of Latria, um, yeah. this old prison with a lot of groaning and moaning, and, and it's very dark, and you hear these ambient sounds in the background, and it has to be one of the creepiest levels I've ever played in a game that's not specifically a horror game. And, and it exudes this this atmosphere that I feel like the Dark Souls games don't quite manage. Not that I think that's bad. I just think it's different. And that's one of the reasons I, I enjoyed playing Demon Souls. Oh, um, and then the combat's still great. I mean, magic makes it a lot easier. I kind of regret using magic as much as I did in my playthrough. Although since then I've gone back and played with a melee character to get that experience too. But, uh, but yeah, magic is very important. And it's it's just all these little changes that were made in between Demon Souls and Dark Souls that if you were to go back and play Demon Souls like I did, even if you've already played the Dark Souls games, it's a different experience that is great in its own way. I still prefer Dark Souls, but I loved my time with Demon Souls, and I absolutely see why so many people became obsessed with the series all the way back in 2009 when that game first came out, which I bought when it first came out and got to the Armored Spider beat him, and then quit because I was terrified because of how hard the game was. <laughs> and since then, I've come to appreciate harder games. But uh, I'm really glad I went back to it and played through the whole thing. It really is an amazing game, you know, five, six years later, whatever it's been. Still, it still holds up. And I love how you mentioned how it has the different vibe. It's more of yeah. like that really sort of almost a horror vibe, because that's right. exactly what I thought when I played it. And uh, also, speaking of levels that that are notable. So your first game in the Soul series was uh Dark Souls. Right. So you know a lot about um Blight Town. Blight Town. What do you think about the Valley of Defilement? Okay, I knew you were going to go there because uh when I when I think about <laughs> Valley of Defilement, I I cringe. It's it's a Pavlovian response at this point. Just say Valley of Defilement and I'll I'll cringe cuz I almost felt, it's hard to describe, I felt claustrophobic when I was in there. It's, I wanted the hell out of there as fast <laughs> as possible. It was a billion times worse than Blight Town. It, <laughs> that's you. my horror. That is the horror Thank game you. of Demon's Souls, is Valley of Defilement. It is just poison everywhere. You move at a snail's pace because you're walking through a poison, poison water all the time. There are mosquitoes everywhere that are shooting you that can be hard to hit, even when you have magic. It is just... An absolute nightmare. It takes forever to unlock the shortcut. Oh my god, it's oh nightmares. So this many nightmares. Why, this is why when Dark Souls came out and became much more popular than yeah. Demon's Souls ever was, and people really latched onto this the idea Blight of Town. Blight, Blight and Town. And you go, just wait horrible. until you play Valley I was of just like, it's, it's not really that bad. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you Blight were a seasoned veteran at that point. Blight Town's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, man, I'm so glad you played that. Yeah, it was great. Um, Mike, what's yours? Your uh, best game of not 2014 that you played in 2014. Um, I don't know if I actually have one because I really, I don't think I've really played anything that was from uh, that was from 20 uh, 2013 or 2014. The only one I really, 
I think played a lot was uh, which is I guess would be the only one that would qualify would be uh, NHL 14 uh, because you know the Winter Olympics were were last year um, you know last February um, and I was you know I'm a huge hockey fan so I went and I played the crap out of that game um, normally with my friends but especially during the Olympic time and I actually set myself a goal. Um, where I actually went and through Hockey Ultimate Team built the entire um, American Olympic hockey team uh, through Ultimate Team by getting collections and playing a ton of games and everything. So that that uh, that was pretty much my 2013 revisiting experience in 2014. Okay. But you had obviously played the hell out of that game already before. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a, a hard time just because it's hard to remember. But one that I'm certain of, that's sort of cheating. I'm gonna say the Stanley Parable because oh. I played it. I played it last January, like before, right before our awards, so I could still get it in for oh, the Nodi Awards. Okay. But technically, I played it. In yeah, it still counts. 2014. So, so yeah, Stanley Parable. We, we talked about it a lot last year. Wonderful game. Wonderful sort of narrative. Um, <clears throat> just great. Just great. If you haven't played the Stanley Parable, it's totally worth uh, checking out. Definitely. Love, love, love that game. All right, so before we get to Jason's, which is another big one, like Demon's Souls, but older, uh, I'm just going to mention Josh's, which was Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. Mm. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot to say about it, but I'm sure you guys can can extol the virtues of such a game. Having what the hell took him so long, but man. Yeah, I played it for the first time in 2014, too, so it's honorable mention for me. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Games are good, man. And if games you're, are good. <laughs> if you have a 3DS, you can get the first three in HD for thirty dollars, mm-hmm. and it's you'll play one and you'll just play all the way through for a week straight, and that'll be you'll be set. So good. They're so good. The characters are 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 so fun and and memorable. You really grow yeah. attached to those characters, and and even the. Uh, the what, the lawyers like that you face off against are are great. <laughs> I even like the I he made an appearance in the second one as well. I assume he just makes an appearance like the first case every game maybe. But uh, I forget is that his name? Yeah. The uh, kind of balding guy who yep. is really terrible at his job. I I laugh every time he has Instant something to pain. say. It's hilarious. And his his brother shows up in the newest one, Dual Destinies. His brother. Oh, name that's great. <laughs> is ga- is Gaspin Pain. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. Thank goodness. Yeah, the na- the names of characters are always fun. Um. Anyway, sorry. So, um, it's my turn. Huh? So yeah, yours is yours is the big one. Going way, way, way back. Uh-huh. We alluded to it before. I uh, tell us about it. I I I try to convey myself as a a, his, a Nintendo scholar, historian, whatever you want to call it. I know a lot about Nintendo, but there was one thing on my list. That I hadn't checked off, and in 2014 I did it. I finally played Earthbound. Nice. Yeah. And I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the type of game that just holds up like no problem over the years. I feel like a lot of Super Nintendo era games manage to do that because they they don't rely on like a specific graphics technology, you know. It played it played the biggest trick on me. I think any game has ever played. Uh-huh. And it has to do with the <clears throat> photographer. Oh yeah, Fuzzy Pickles that, guy. That yeah, 
fuzzy pickles guy. I he kept coming <laughs> in all these different parts of the game, and I didn't know what the hell his problem was. Why is he bothering me? <laughs> What's going on? Stop this! And then I saw it, the whole point of it, and I was like, "This is awesome!" Don't and spoil it for end... me. I haven't played the game. I just I know. Oh no! I know he's oh, there. It's... I've played, like, the first three hours. It's on my Wii So you've Wii. seen him at least once. I've seen him, yeah. I know he says, fuzzy, say Fuzzy Pickles and takes a picture. Yeah, that... Shows up throughout the game. That is so cool. It's Oh, man. that It's easily one of my favorite things about that game. But I just like how... how odd it is, how weird it is, how funny yeah. it is, how it doesn't take itself seriously. And it's such a crazy adventure. It takes you all over the place. Like you never know where the hell you can end up next. Yeah, and then you and and then there's the part where you, you know, go into a place that's not real, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you fight a boss there. It was the only place I got hung up in the entire game. It took me multiple tries. I had to actually reload a save from earlier and go back into it because an item I had I unequipped from Ness for no reason. And end up being oh, no. item, end up being the one item that helps the most against him. Yeah. So once I beat him and I and I finished it, I I loved it, man. I loved it a lot. It was so cool. Such a good game. And yeah, such a good game. It has perhaps the greatest boss battle in the history of video games, in in my opinion. The, which one? the the final one, the final boss, yeah. just the way the way it all plays out. Because I mean, you know, you have to remember this was the '90s, like it was very progressive for the way it interacted with the player. Such a good yeah. game. It's, I love it. I'm hoping it'll be my pick for 2015's old game of the year for me. Yeah, I'll play it this year finally. Good. Yeah, I feel like and any time someone plays Earthbound for the first time, it's going to be an ex- quite the experience. Yeah. Definitely. It's cool. And I can and I completely understand why it has the following it does. Yeah. Any plans to play uh, Mother 3? I have somewhere. I have the uh, English translation, the Game, mm-hmm. the game Boy Advance ROM, English translation. So yeah, now that I've played Earthbound, why not? Cool. Do it. And you could play Earthbound Zero for NES. Mother? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's it's all very similar. Yeah, I may try that. But uh, all right. Ness, Ness is on a whole other level for me now. Whole other <laughs> level. Whole level. All right, so... Um, okay, I think this next award will be somewhat related to Earthbound in a way. How about the... My buddy and me. The game you had the most fun playing with other people in 2014. Jason, what's yours? Oh, I talked about it earlier. Um, it, had, it had to do with Earthbound. <laughs> yeah, it does. Way. Yeah. Smash. Smash. Yeah, of yeah. course. And last night just solidified it. Like, I gave them a choice. I said, you want to, you want to do this in Mario Kart? You want to do this in Smash? They're like, we're here to Smash. Let's go. We're here and, to Smash. And, yeah. So we, we smashed. It was awesome. And I had this little, I had this little, uh, uh, the retailer that I bought the game from at midnight. I didn't buy the game, but when I, I went the next day to see how the midnight was, and they had these paper championship belts. Super Smash Brothers champion, they say on it. So I, they let me have one, and now when we play these tournaments, these round-robin tournaments, 
whoever wins gets to take it until the next time we play. And That's it's cool. still sitting next to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I, the, the game is awesome. There's so many people to choose from. You never know who you're going to play as next. Everyone is good with everybody. I, I, there's a tier list for the competitive players, you know, and then everyone hates Diddy Kong right now. Everyone hated Little Mac when the DS1 came out. But I haven't had a bad match against anyone yet. And I've played, yeah. everyone's tried everybody. I feel like you have to be, like, on some other level to even have those uh, tiers come into play. Yeah, unless you're yeah. playing a tournament, you know, getting really competitive about it, then yeah, it's just, you know, a huge roster of awesome characters for, you know, someone who's just it's, playing and having fun. And the, my favorite thing about it is, you got, and then when you're done playing and you just want to look around the other menus... The game is a Nintendo museum in disc form. Yeah. Tr- between the trophies and the music and the and the masterpieces and all that stuff. It's just it has everything about Nintendo. If someone says to you, "I've never played a Nintendo game before. What should I do?" You just hand them that and say, "Every every piece of information you'll ever need comes from there and you'll gain interest and want to play games based on that, I guarantee it." Yeah. Yeah, and I guess it says something also that this is the first Smash Brothers game that I kind of got into for more than, like, a few minutes. So, you know, something, right? You used to hate <laughs> Smash Brothers. This one's made Folks you warm up to it. Yeah. yeah. And that, I've always that appreciated it from a distance. I have I have mad respect for Super Smash Brothers. I, I don't like playing it, but I can see the appeal, and I always love how many different characters they cram into those games. Yeah. It's it there's something for everyone for those who like it. It's just a wealth of characters to play. You know what? I would I would like it better if the control scheme was not what it is. Like you still had all these characters, the the animations, the movements could all be the same, but if it just operated a little bit differently, I think I would feel better about it. Like if I just used different buttons for different attack, like more Street Fighter-ish. If it was just more Street Fighter-ish, I would love it. Because um, I love Nintendo, but I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I appreciate it from a distance. I haven't continued to play after like the first little while that I played it, but I, I feel better about the Smash Brothers franchise now. And it was also uh, Josh's pick for the My Buddy and Me Award. Good. What about Mike? Mike, what's yours? Um, my buddy and me award, which could also be, um, <clears throat> could also be, I guess my my boomerang, because I don't know if I if we talked about that and I got to do that one yet. That I can't quit you. Um, That's next, actually. Okay. Well, then if I'm the last one, this is a perfect transition because this is this game is both for me, and that's Destiny. Oh wow. Um, yeah. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I know that the the story is really weak, and in order to find like figure out the lore you have to go into you know the grimoire cards through the app and it's a process and it's just completely unnecessary and dumb and i know and it involves a lot of grinding but the gameplay to me is so addictive that i just i can't stop like it doesn't matter to me if i'm um you know going uh and doing like a strike for like the third time in a night like the gameplay and being able to master those levels, um, especially when playing with my friends, which I do all the time, is a blast. And I was I would played it constantly with my best friend, and now over Christmas, three of my other friends, three or four of my other friends, picked it up. So we've been playing like almost 
every night we do the bounties together we do the we do strikes together we'll do patrol missions together and we've even started to dip our fingers into uh the raids together and mm. it's just it's repetitive it's very repetitive and it's very grindy but for some reason I just I I'm a, I'm addicted to it. I love the gameplay so yeah. much and I enjoy mastering it and doing the teamwork and communication and just having a blast shooting all these things with my friends that I just I keep coming back to it. It's it's uh I think it also has to do with the fact that it's very easy to pick up and do something really quick in Destiny and then be done mm-hmm. and get off. Uh so like if I come home from work and I only have like an hour or two before I should go to bed the ne- uh, for, for work the next day, like it's easy for me to pick up Destiny and knock out a couple bounties or do one strike or something with my friends really quick yeah. as opposed to if I want to pick up something like Far Cry 4 or something that's – or Dragon Age that have these massive campaigns where I'm like I don't want to go into it because I feel like I might end up losing sleep because, I'm, because of all the stuff and it's all very intimidating. So I just – Destiny is very simple, very easy to pick up, and the gameplay is really addictive, and I just have a blast playing with my friends. Yeah, that's a great point, that last one, that I appreciate more as I'm getting older. But um, I, I definitely, i got to say, I played Destiny at E3, and it was so much fun. I just, from all I hear is that it's just what I played at E3 is basically... Yeah, I have such game. a complicated <laughs> relationship with that game, because... I I think it has severe flaws, and yet I put 40 or more hours into the game. And I don't put that much time into a game that I don't like. Yeah, that's. But I then mean. I also have no desire to play any more of it. It's it's just, it's weird. It is addictive. There are serious content issues. It plays really well. It's just this back and forth of flaws and and positives, and it might be my most disappointing game of 2014. But I still liked it. It's it's Destiny. Oh man, Destiny drives me crazy. I can't form a concrete opinion about that game. <laughs> yeah. I played a little bit of Destiny, got to level 9, going through the story, and then my PS4 uh, crapped out on me. I had to get it replaced, oh. so I lost it for two weeks. And um, I'm still where I left off. I haven't had a chance to get back into it. I enjoyed what I played. I did. And I like the fact that Destiny rewards the players who take the time to figure stuff out. Mike, you were talking about how getting into the lore is a process with the Grimoire cards and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and, and grinding through the game can be a chore. But the rewards and the satisfaction are where destiny truly shine, I think. Knowing that you did enough, like this weekend, if you, if you go up to the guy, Zer, however you say that, he's got the yep. best sniper rifle in the game, and you, if you have the coins and you can buy it, you're like, awesome, I earn this shit, let's kill some people kill some bitches. Yep. That, to me, is, I think, where Destiny excels. Is the story great? No. Is the fact that the game doesn't start until you beat the story good? Not for the casual player. But there's a lot of merit to Destiny. There's a lot I, of yeah. forward thinking, I think, in Destiny that is good. And I, I hope like... it is... Oh, go ahead, sorry. No, you, you finish. I'll, I'll follow I said I hope, I hope it... Um, I hope Bungie can learn from their mistakes if they were ever go- either A, create more d- uh, DLC chapters, which they I guess they should, or B, eventually make Destiny 2. But there's room for growth. Yeah. I was going to say that uh, Destiny feels very much like the first Assassin's Creed game almost. I yeah. feel like that's a okay. good analogy for how everybody feels. Like 
It's hmm. a good game. It's got its it's got plenty of positives, and you see the potential. There's and you so can much. See potential. how like yeah. a sequel can fix it and make this like amazing, but at the same time, it's got a lot of flaws that can make it like frustrating or that doesn't exactly make the game like set your heart on fire. Yeah. Did you beat the raid, by the way, uh, Mike? I have not. I've tried to beat the raid, but um, we've I tried to beat the new raid from the DLC. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah. we've got like we didn't get through it it's it's tough it's rough like me and my friends have only just started trying to raid together so mm-hmm. it's it requires a ton of teamwork and it communication does. and it is the raid very much i think is the best different. part about the game because it's yes. true teamwork if anyone is screwing up that's it you have to be working together there are a bunch of strategies at play that aren't in the main game it feels like they used their most creativity on the raid of which there's only one in the main game which makes me sad because i think that's the best part of the entire game because uh, you all yeah. have to be high level. You're all working together. You're coming up with strategies. I felt so good when I came up with the correct strategy for the team for one part. Uh, there's a part where you have to shoot oracles. If you don't shoot the oracles, you get basically poisoned or marked, and then you die within five seconds, so you ha- cannot miss the oracles. They play yep. sounds where they show up, and there's a platforming section. Like The raid is full of creativity and unique strategies, and I just wish there had been more of that in the main game, because the raid is really fun. And it feels really good when you finish it. So mine actually is another transitional one. I know we were going to jump into the I Can't Quit You award. The gaming boomerang for you, Mike, is the same, Destiny. But my my Buddy and Me award is the same as Josh's I Can't Quit You award, and that's Mario Kart 8. Mm. Right along the same lines as uh, Smash Brothers. Mario Kart 8, you know, it, back in the Nintendo 64 era, while you guys may have been smashing, Jason, um, <laughs> I really ignored Super Smash Brothers. I kind of played it a couple times and thought, eh, whatever. It was a cool idea, but but didn't really pan out for me. But I played the hell out of Mario Kart 64. That defined an era for me. That, along with Star Fox and GoldenEye. But even going further back to Super Mario Kart, I used to play that on my Super Nintendo as a kid with my friends. Um... And, you know, being able to play Mario Kart 8 here, I have my roommates who have the the game and my friends come over sometimes. And it's just, that's my my definite, uh, my buddy and me award, because it just brings that back. And it's a lot of fun to just sit and play. Um, we've been unlocking things, and, and when the competition gets hot and heavy, it, it's really a lot of good yelling at each other. <laughs> yeah, lots and, of yelling. Uh, Shells. The only thing I wish is that you could have an option to turn off blue shells. Well, there like is an would... item to uh, to get rid of them. Or, uh, well, there's just you know one item. You have to be lucky that you have it. But uh, the horn, right, is that what it is? Right. Yeah, but I mean, if you could just turn them yeah, off. Yeah, just completely off. Sure. Great. It's a little bit... That's the one thing about the Mario Kart series, is that it's gotten a little too rubber bandy sure. for me. Um, because it, I mean, if you're playing with a bunch of people that are all like relatively the same skill, you don't, you don't need that. You're going to be kind of close. Yeah. And, I don't know. But yeah, that, that one definitely, uh, is great. A great, great social experience. And it was, uh, Josh's I Can't Quit You. So did, did you have one there, Anthony? Yeah. Mario Kart 8 was on my short list. Um, a couple honorable mentions, I just like to say Sports Friends came out on the PS4. It's a collection of mini-games, basically, mini-sports games, uh, including one called Joust, which is a physical game where you hold a controller or a move controller, if you have one of those, and basically try to to get the person to move it, 
so it, it picks up your movement, and if you, you basically like try to hit the person or or distract them so that they move their controller or their so then you know they they lose that way. Uh, and it works with DualShock Four controllers, so that's how I played it, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, Nidhog was fantastic. Uh, it came out on PC early in the year, and then later PS4 Vita. Uh, it's a fencing game that looks like a really old, almost like Commodore 64 game. Really crude visuals, but it's a ton of fun. And then um, my pick for my Buddy and Me Award, uh, which I didn't mention in my shortlist for Game of the Year because I know no one probably played it, but it's my second favorite game of the year, and it's Towerfall Ascension, which came out on PS4 oh, and yeah. PC. Uh, it actually came out originally on the Ouya in 2013, but the expanded version came out in uh, 2014. And it is an archery game. You know, just as a simple description, an archery game for up to four players. But there is so much depth to that game. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is if you press dodge at the right time, you catch the person's arrow. And so even if you have a well-placed shot, if the person dodges, they're screwed. If the person dodges, the other person's screwed because they caught your arrow and now they can shoot you. Or they can just steal all your arrows that way. There are a bunch of different arrows you can get, explosive arrows, uh, bramble arrows. Uh, I think maybe eight different stages. There are a lot of hidden secrets in the game, unlockable levels, hidden cheat codes, uh, which is kind of nostalgic in a way. I know we already talked about that, but it's nostalgic in the sense that there are these secrets that the game doesn't tell you and you have to find yourself, which is a lot of fun. But yeah, that's the most fun I had with a local multiplayer game in 2014 was Tower Fall Ascension, so that'd be my pick for that. Nice. Nice. Okay, so... So let's move on to uh, the last one before Game of the Year, I guess. And that's the I Can't Quit You or the Gaming Boomerang from the old Jason Awards. Games that keep you coming back like a crack fiend. <laughs> um, so we already said Josh's is Mario Kart 8. Mine actually is not Mario Kart 8. It's Dark Souls 2 mm. because just the, the growth of your character is the most addictive thing to me in that game. Uh, I could spend hours upon hours just kind of building up weapons and, and doing all the things to, to make my character awesome, gaining levels, all that. Um, I've stopped playing the game because I have a plan. I love these games so much and can't quit them so easily that I've, that I've sworn any of them off for a while so that I can then restart back at Demon Souls and play through them all again. Oh, wow. Huh. And, and then by that time, it'll be, you know, 2020, and you could buy a PS4 and play Bloodborne. Yep. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> so, um, we already got Mike's I Can't Quit You was Destiny, and Jason, what's yours? Now, I didn't have one in particular that I, uh, you know, played throughout the year, but there was one game that I played every single day for two months, at least a little bit. And that, I think, qualifies for this one. And its yeah. name is Tomodachi Life. Oh, okay. I was so hooked over the summer with this game. It's absurd. And <laughs> the game is so stupid at its the core. The voices are terrifying. That, that's part of the reason why it's so it, it, At its very core, its very <laughs> essence, it's the dumbest game I've ever played. <laughs> but it's so fun. Just to see the stupid little things that these characters do when you go and visit them. Like, you could click on... I could click on my apartment, and I'm wearing an Uncle Sam suit, jumping up and down like an idiot. I could go over to my fr to Steph's apartment, and she's talking to Nigel Thornberry because she denied my advances and <laughs> decided she wanted to marry Nigel Thornberry. I can go uh, to... Yeah, wow. right? What a jerk. 
I, I, can, <laughs> I can go over to Satoru Iwata, and he's hanging out with my sister, and he better nice. not touch her. You know what I mean? It, 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 <laughs> Get off my sister. <laughs> and then I, I click on another, another one of my friends' house, and he has him and two, three other people playing Wii U, all of them together. And then I can go to the park and watch someone jogging. I can go to the beach and they're throwing a Frisbee around. It's just, it's the weirdest game in the world. But it's, yeah. I couldn't stop playing it. I couldn't stop. I had to know what was going on. I had to see what they were doing. <laughs> I had to see what kind of trouble they were getting into. It's like checking on kids. And yeah, yeah. The Philadelphia Inquirer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, wow. That, that's awesome. I like that. Uh, uh, I, and so my little island, my little Moron, Moronica Island, which is a Three Stooges <laughs> reference for those of you who are, uh, have no idea who the Three Stooges are, um, I had about 30-some me's or 20-some me's in it, and they would hang out and yell at each other, and it was, it was a good time. Probably I, I really my liked. biggest laugh of, uh, of the year was watching uh, – I haven't played it, but watching – uh, I think it was like two people were on the beach, and then your character comes in on the beach, like running over there to like win the woman's heart, and like yeah. you compete with uh, the other person. And the other guy comes out of love the interest. Ocean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it comes out of the ocean. That's right. That's what it was. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. Will you be my sweetheart? <laughs> wait. And he comes out of the ocean. Yeah, wait, and then yeah, from the side, and then wait from the ocean. And there's another one where they're in the, he's in the restaurant and he wants to ask her out. And the guy at the next table goes, wait, he turns around. <laughs> I've been in the it's, other booth the whole time. It's so stupid, but it's so <laughs> it's it's the, it's, it's, the, it's the gaming equivalent of a YouTube black hole. You go on to yeah. watch. Oh, no. <laughs> you watch one video and two hours later you find yourself, you know, at some government conspiracy and you don't know how you got there. Well, this, you turn it on to do one task and the next thing you know, 45 minutes later... You're feeding all of what your meats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so Anthony, what what was yours? Your, our last gaming boomerang of the year. All right, my gaming boomerang is a game you hate that I loved. Uh, and I, I didn't put as many hours oh, no! as other games in 2014. Oh, no. It's just that I got the platinum trophy, and I never do that. So I played this game basically two and a half times yeah. immediately without stopping, and that was Transistor. I think you're damn. Things, your code, what are they called? Your uh, functions? or function, Link your damn functions together. There's so much depth to that system. It's you. <laughs> there are thousands of combinations, literally thousands of combinations you can come yeah. up with that in that game for which powers you want to use because you can equip it or make it a passive ability or make it an upgrade on an existing ability. So it adds all this depth, and I just got so obsessed. I actually think the story is really weak in Transistor, and I was really disappointed especially after Bastion, uh, there was no real emotional weight to Transistor. But that combat system, I became obsessed with. I think, I think just on a game design, gameplay standpoint, it's my favorite game of 2014. I got so obsessed oh, with that wow. combat system and uh, had, to get, had to get the Platinum. Couldn't put it down. Had to get 100%. Uh, and just made it as hard as possible, equipped all the limiters or whatever they're called uh, to make the game as hard as possible and played through that way. And just couldn't stop. I think combat system is brilliant. Nice, nice. So that was your almost game of the year. Almost, yeah. It's 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 a top three, but not my number one pick. Nice. So that brings us, I guess, straight to the game of the year. Um, I've been kind of debating how we're gonna do this. You guys have each emailed me your games of the year. 
so I guess the only thing left to do is to reveal it, and um, you know maybe the the discussion around these games might sway one of you, and maybe we could even come to a an official gamer node game of the year right here on versus node, and maybe not, who knows? <laughs> um, but I'm gonna start off with Josh's game of the year, um, and that was Smash Brothers Wii U. And okay. for all the reasons that Jason has told us, uh, they they probably certainly apply to Josh's thinking about the game. Um, but Jason, what was yours? Was it also Smash Brothers Wii U, or was it something different? I already know what his was. Spoiler alert! Shovel. I saw, I saw his blog. Knight. Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight. I I I. Amazing! I, it I, beat I, out. It beat out. Smash Brothers for you. <laughs> I have That's... a thing. I have a thing where if, if if two games are tied at the end of the year, uh, from my favorite game, if they're neck and neck, the deciding factor is originality. Whether it's a new game, a brand new IP, or mm. something completely different. You know what I mean? And that yeah. is shovel knight over the edge for me. Because cool. Smash Brothers, while it's fantastic and it builds on the previous games very very much, it's at its core, very similar to the other games. Shovel Knight yeah. is... You know what I mean? Shovel Knight is, is yeah. the best. <laughs> it's it's pure nostalgia. Which, you know, you, this game could have fit in 20 years ago, but that's the point. It didn't. It came out this year, and it was amazing. It still feels well. modern. It doesn't feel like an old, dated... Yeah, it plays formula. really well. Like, the control, it's all very smooth, very, very on point. Everything about it's really just on point. Um, what's yours, Mike? I mean, I know, but tell everyone else. <laughs> Mine um, is actually Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh, I was... It's it's interesting, because going into this year, um, every time I heard something about Dragon Age Inquisition, like, the with how hard the first one was, as much as I loved uh, Dragon Age Origins... It was so hard that I just had to give up on it. I couldn't get through it. Um, and the second one, I uh, I played for a little bit, but it didn't grab me. So to me, like Dragon Age kind of felt almost like a tarnished brand. So at the beginning of the year, when I heard Dragon Age Inquisition was coming out, I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. It's a Dragon Age game. They they always underwhelm. They're, they're starting to become like the Fable series, so I'm not really expecting much. And then the game came out, and people were like, no, this is really, really good. And it started reviewing really, really well. So I was like, all right, fine, I have to give this a chance. And I'm really glad that I did, because uh, the the story, um, from what I've experienced of it, isn't hasn't been, like, too, you know, epic. It's not, like, one of those great stories of all time, like The Last of Us or something like that. But it's still gripping enough to keep you engaged, Um I love the combat, how you can just switch from uh, real-time, like, real-action uh, RPG style to tactical RPG style um, with a press of a button. Uh, the quest system is really cool. I like how every time you complete a quest, you gain power and influence, and you expand your Inquisition, and you're going out and trying to save the world. And, like I said, it also has all of those elements from the Suikoden series that I loved so much. So, it it makes me feel like I'm re-experiencing Suikoden again. Uh, so there's just... It, it just completely took me by surprise and wowed me to no end. Uh, 
Um, I was I was really expecting games like Destiny or um, Far Cry to really be truly competing for for it and Assassin's Creed Unity, and it turned out for me that it's it's Dragon Age Inquisition, and I'm so happy that I that I was wrong and that I was able to give this game a shot. Awesome. I have a feeling that other people feel the same way. Well, now that you uh, say that, <laughs> um, uh, my pick for Game of the Year is also Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh, by the time I finished that game, I, I was roughly, I put roughly 70 hours into the game. I know a lot of people will say, oh, I put 100 hours into this game. Uh, I don't do that. Almost ever. There are maybe five games I've spent that kind of time with in my entire life. Um, and I, I couldn't stop playing Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh, it's, it's kind of amazing how the narrative framework is this huge epic thing. Save the world. You're our only hope. You have the mark on your hand. But then, in reality, it works on a very small scale. It, the main story isn't the draw. It's, it's the characters and the world and how you explore it and learn about it. Yeah. And one of my favorite things about video games is you can get wrapped up in a world and lose yourself in it. And I feel like Bioware executed on that brilliantly with Inquisition. And and like Mike, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to the game. I, after Dragon Age 2 and the end of Mass Effect 3, I didn't have a ton of faith in Bioware. And I thought, yeah, maybe it'll be okay, but I, I don't particularly care one way or the other. I'll play it. But I just got wrapped up in that world I talked about. And and it has flaws. It's not perfect. But it's easily the most memorable thing I played in 2014. And for me, that makes it my game of the year. Nice. Mine, can you guys guess what mine is? Uh, it's another D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's got to be Dark Souls 2 for me. <laughs> um, it's been a long time since the game came out. It was the beginning of the year. But, um, yeah, there's just nothing like those Souls games. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I really didn't like Dark Souls 2. I just think it's nowhere near as good as Demons and Dark Souls. That's the... I still loved it. It's you know a top ten game for me of the year. It's just it pales what in comparison. I love is that to they're all they're all very similar. Obviously, you see the lineage, but they are all their own thing. Yes, I love that you said it's that. Amazing. You're absolutely right about that. Dark Souls Two is still its own thing, even with the Souls name. Yeah, and and getting into those games and really fi- just letting yourself um, sort of sort of just fall into every different aspect of of the ways you could interact with that game and you know building out your character um joining a covenant playing online go just going straight through the story whatever it is yeah. finding weapons building weapons whatever it's just it is so deep so engrossing just just so complete of an experience and i i love it it's wonderful um this one in particular felt like an epic, epic journey. Um, whereas, like the previous ones, Demon Souls, you were going from from a hub world into each of the other worlds, sort of back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, in in Dark Souls, you had uh, you had sort of an a very Metroidvania type world where everything connected to itself. Right. And then in this one. It just felt like you went to the ends of the earth to complete this journey. Um, just so they all have their own vibe, and yeah. this one I appreciate. It may be my least favorite 
of the sure. three. I'm I'm not sure, um, but I'll, I guess I'll know when I play through all three of them all in a row. But, right, um, then you can really form a concrete opinion. But this one is still so, so it's good. It's really good. It's so good. And I look forward to uh, Bloodborne very much, even though... Yeah, ooh, I'm, I cannot wait. Yeah, even though I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit wary of the changes, but I'm sure it'll be wonderful. I played, I've played it three times already, and now I just want to play more. Because I played the Alpha, and then I went on a PlayStation truck and played the Alpha again. And... Uh, there's one other time I forget, but uh, but I think it plays great, and I just can't wait to play more of it. Yeah, um, I would have also given a an honorable mention to Shovel Knight, like Jason yeah. said. I love that game, and I mentioned a couple others that I thought were really good: Talos Principle, Mario Kart Eight, and even even potentially Wasteland Two, and even potentially The Wolf Among Us. But yeah, well, Dark Souls Two, Dark Souls Two is just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think that gets us a clear game of the year for GamerNode. Um, I think Dragon Age Inquisition is our game of the year. Woo! All right. You guys I feel kind of weird though. It's just two of us picked it though. Yeah, I know. Or maybe but, like I mean, maybe like a share like like Dragon Age Inquisition slash Shovel Knight. It seemed like those two were the big ones that we all, most of us, majority loved. Yeah, well, typically we do a large vote and we have uh, we weight each of our choices right, based right. on top, our top choices fives and points. everything. And I'm sure Dragon Age. Um, you know, if not someone's first pick, would would at least be you know worthy of that discussion. Sure. Um, but yeah, so if we were to say that we have a one and two for this year, it would probably be Dragon Age Inquisition one and Shovel yeah, Knight that sounds, as number two. That sounds good to me. That's going to be our official company line on this. <laughs> yeah, one. there. You go. <laughs> and you know that that just reveals some sort of. Uh, general trend about GamerNode and the games that we love throughout history. Because um, we love those we love those Bioware games. Just like we love those Bethesda games, and just like we love those Bioshock games. <laughs> um, I, I was really curious this year, um, since we didn't have a, a written feature, which I'll probably get to. We'll write all this stuff out. We'll have the, the winners of what we decided here. Um, but we were going to have this discussion. I thought it would be nice, being that this is our ninth year of of uh, Nodi Awards, um, that we just go back and we uh, just recap yeah. what what the choices have been since the beginning. Um, Jason actually had to leave, if you're wondering why you don't hear him talking about Bioware. Uh, <laughs> so we're dropping like flies, but you know if we're just going to recap, that's fine. Um, so I'm going to give you guys a, a little a little history lesson of GamerNode. Uh, so in 2006, that was actually when I started uh, with GamerNode. I did not take part in the Game of the Year voting, but the number one game here was Okami. Um, that was actually the game that got me into writing uh, about games. Cool. That that was that was my first article. You know, besides uh, maybe a, a Resident Evil 4 review I did for the high school newspaper. Um, Okami was the game that first got me serious about writing about games as an art form on the internet. And awesome. That happened. That happened to be our number one in 2006 that I did not vote for, <laughs> uh, with with a number two of Oblivion, which started our. <clears throat> I know. I don't know our our putting Bethesda on a pedestal, which would be a theme that that followed through. Um, and I loved Oblivion. Uh, I'm sure you guys... Did you guys play Oblivion? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, it, I, I liked it. 
I, I, I think mean, one of our other Game of the Year winners I like a lot more, if you know what I mean, in the yeah. same series. Sure. Um, yeah, I'd put a million hours into Oblivion, like 150 <laughs> hours. But, uh, yeah. Did you guys play Okami? Yeah. I did not. Oh, um, did? I That's... liked it. A very small, dumb pet peeve of mine is the dialogue, the way it's like almost like Charlie Brown, like just no, mumbling. No, no, no. But other than that, it's a fantastic game. Yeah, and it's been released now and re-released a few times. So that's right. I mean, PS3. Uh, Mike, we, do you like Zelda well, games? Do I what? Do you like Zelda games? Yes. Yeah. So, Okami is like the best Zelda game that was released at that time, in 2006. So good. <laughs> so good. And it's the company but, that went on to make. Um, Platinum Games, right? Who did like Bayonetta, Vanquish, mm-hmm. those Absolute. games? So, yes. Yeah, so if you ever uh, want to pick something up and maybe give an award to a to an old a game that came out in previous year, Okami's a good one to try out. Yeah. <laughs> so continuing on, uh, 2007, our number one was well. Let's go number two. Our number two. This actually was the first year that I was voting on mm. a Game of the Year award, and. Uh, this is something that hangs over my head, you know, throughout the years. I just can't believe that it went down this way. Our number two was Bioshock. And I I thought Bioshock Travesty. should have been number one. I mean, this was one of the greatest years in gaming history, honestly, yeah. 2007. We had Bioshock, we had... Uh, uh, Call of Duty 4 was that year? Which was yeah. might be the most influential game of you know, the last 10, 15 years. It was, uh, yeah, sure. The first Mass Effect, I think, came out Mass that Effect year. Mass Effect 1, yeah, absolutely. Super Mario Galaxy, the highest rated game of all time. That's right, 2007. And the orange box, from which we chose Portal mm-hmm. as our number one. Um, I, it was, you know, Portal at that time, no, nothing like that had ever been done. And uh, the way that the story played out, the way that the mechanics combined to create such a interesting and, and new experience was a big deal and that was our number one yeah um next year 2008 our number two was another bethesda fallout 3 actually 2008 was just my awards it was, it was just <laughs> me. um 2008 I'm, glad, I'm happy with your number one i'll say yeah well number two was fallout 3 wonderful wonderful game uh, another bethesda and like i said i mentioned wasteland 2 as my nostalgic game Mm-hmm. of this year. Well, Fallout 3 was the same thing, except put it in that 3D world, combined that Bethesda Oblivion flavor and and uh, brought back the feeling of the post-apocalyptic sort of Western genre. Um, and then number one, of course, was Braid. Oh, yeah. Braid, Braid, at that point, being one of the only games that I would ever say is a 10 out of 10. Um, 2009, this one, I, I feel like, uh, we're, we're seeing how history changes our perspective, um, or maybe doesn't, but a lot of people would say that Uncharted 2 was the best game of that year. I, I Unch- would, but... Uncharted know, 2 was, was our number two that year. Um, number one was Assassin's Creed 2 in 2009. Um, I happened to review Assassin's Creed 2, and I did give that game a 10. Because at that point, you know, that that was something we had never seen. You know, since then, I couldn't give half a crap about the Assassin's Creed series. <laughs> Assassin's Creed know. 2 is great, though. I mean, that's still it, a good It's really pick. gone downhill. But yeah, at that point, 
you know, it had just taken that Grand Theft Auto style open world, applied it in a different way, had the amazing climbing mechanics, all that traversal, and a, a great story to follow with sort of, you know, maybe it was uh, you know, a plot, there was the plot twist, there was the revenge, it was just, you know, it was a great game, and it they hadn't introduced a lot of the extraneous, uh, let's say, quote-unquote gameplay features that, you know, started to detract from it by then. So that was Assassin's Creed 2, that was a great game. Um, 2010, Super Mario Galaxy 2 was our number two, and our number one was Mass Effect 2. I'm pretty sure uh, at that point, you know, Mass Effect 2 had really just blown all of us away. Uh, I remember having yeah. that one podcast where I I did the whole uh, early review of it, and everyone was like, oh my god, I have to play this game. And by the end of the year, we were like, yep, that was our that was our number one. 2011, we see things... Uh, I'm bitter about sort, this one. I, sort of I re- was upset with the 1, 2. I wouldn't yeah, I know. Them. Portal 2 is one of your favorite games of all time, Oh my right? god, I fucking love Portal 2. Top 10, easily, of all time. Yeah, so that was our number 2. Once again, sh- rearing its head, the Portal franchise. And then number 1, once again, rearing its head, the Elder Scrolls franchise for Skyrim. Um, I, I really have nothing... You know nothing bad to say about these two or, or any of the previous. I mean, they're all amazing games. Uh, 2012. Now we're starting to see some of the some of the less sort of blockbuster yeah, or smaller or indie typical titles. choices. Yeah. yeah, 2012 was like the year that there was a big shift yeah. in um, the way games were developed and published. Um, the way we we were exposed to a variety, and we had The Walking Dead season one coming in as number two, and Journey coming in at number one. And you know, I I was so happy that Journey was number yeah, one. That, that's awesome. That was sort of a transcendent experience playing Journey. Yeah. Very different from anything at that time. 2013, The Last of Us was number two, which I think a lot of people might. Say should have been number one. Yeah. I, I feel like the last I'm one, one of those was people, the, probably. Yeah, I am also. Post. I think you yeah. didn't like the game, right, Eddie? Um, I wasn't a big fan. Yeah. Um, so maybe it was my fault. Uh, <laughs> Damn last, you! You know, you most I'd say most outlets <laughs> probably would have given it to The Last of Us. Um, and I think Bioshock Infinite won by one point. Wow, one, really? One weighted point. Oh, damn. Um, so it was basically a tie. Uh, but Bioshock still Infinite. a good choice. Bioshock Infinite, great game. Maybe, maybe this is like one of those um, those umpire courtesy calls, <laughs> you know, given uh, the strike when it was just a little off the edge. Yeah, because he made a blown, he blew a call in previous <laughs> innings or something. So yeah, Bioshock was was sort of redeemed. That series <laughs> was redeemed um, for not winning in 2007. Although you know it's arguable that those games in 2007. Some would argue that Super Mario Galaxy should be there. I mean, it's the highest rated game of all time. But, you know, c'est la vie. And again, here we are, 2014. Shovel Knight just breaking all the rules um, as our number two. Really showing us how different the the games can be. Um, yeah, and that's that's, again, coming back to what we said earlier about how, you know, games aren't going away. Your type, so maybe someone's type of games aren't going away. Everything's just 
expanding. Yeah, our one two is are very different experiences. Exactly, and and number one, Dragon Age Inquisition, another Bioware game. So yeah, that's the last nine years of the Nodi Awards, and uh, I'm I'm looking at a list of some amazing games, and obviously you guys would have changed a couple along the way, and I'm sure anyone listening would have changed a couple along the way, but here we are. I don't know. It's been a good year. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been a fun year. We've we've learned lots of things this year. <laughs> yeah. We've grown a little bit. I think 2015 is going to be a big one. I got that feeling. Yeah, I think, Real I big think 2015 one. is going to be a little bit of a return to form for the industry. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, maybe a little less BS. Fixing our problems. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. And coming out with a ton of incredible games. Yeah. Um... What's the first one up? What's the first like big big release coming out this year? Um, next month you've got the Kirby game on Wii U. After that you have Bloodborne in March. Uh, yeah. So and what about the uh, the Order? Oh, that's February as well. So yeah, end of February. Yeah. The Order. I don't know if people are really anticipating that. I don't. Yeah, I don't know about that one. That's. I'm not excited, I played it, but maybe. I played it and I thought it was fantastic. Like it played really well, looked amazing, but uh, it could you know could bomb or whatever. Yeah. We've also got Evolve coming. Yeah, Evolve is, uh, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Arkham Knight is coming out. That's in June. Um, yep. In June. Uh, the Witcher the 3 Witcher is coming 3. out. That Mortal Kombat X is in uh, April, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, all big things to look forward to. A lot of big to. games, yeah. Is Zelda slated for... Is Zelda slated for 2015? Yeah. No, they, is it? It is, it is. I don't know if they might move it. It could be delayed, but they they have said 2015. And then oh, Star yeah. Fox before Zelda, they said. Right, right. Halo is uh, Halo Five slated to come out next year, and so is Uncharted Four. Also, yeah, Uncharted right. Four, and Halo Five. Hopefully, yeah, The Witness, a, the next Jonathan Blow year. game. I hope so. Absolutely, and the the game that shall not be named. <laughs> oh, do you guys think we're ever gonna get? No, it's not. No, just give up the dream. You mean you mean the game that's one hour most anticipated of the next year, like <laughs> a million years, times years in a row. <laughs> oh god. Oh well. A man but injured. yeah, 2015 is going to be epic. Yeah. Yep. And we look forward to it. And I guess that's the end. That's the end of our Nodi Awards for 2014. It's been a long show. Thanks for sticking through. We lost two of our <laughs> podca- podcasters along the way, but uh thank you Anthony and Mike thank and you. Jason and Josh you, wherever you are. And everybody, thanks for listening. Um you know, as ever, leave us uh, leave us some feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, rate us, you know, leave a review, whatever. Um, come to GamerNode, check out whatever we got over there. And follow us on Twitter at GamerNode and uh, at underscore Murfo underscore yep. at, what is it, A Labella? A.M. Labella. A.M. Labella. Um, at Big Man Finelli, at Average Josh, and at Eddie and Zotto. Um, damn, I almost got it. I almost got you, Anthony. Oh well. <laughs> so, <laughs> and on Facebook, where you know, just just find us everywhere. Talk just, to us. Yeah, find out where I we think, live, and you know. Yeah, come yes, hang out. We'll play you know. Towerfall. I don't know. Or you know, just just watch us play games through a window like a creeper. <laughs> yeah, you could do that. Help yourself. <laughs> Yep, so that's it. And uh, that has been Versus Node 59, the 2014 Nodi Awards here at Gamer Node. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.